0: The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings. This is Captain Smell So Good of the Starship Smelly Prize with my international co-host, Sai and I. And when we're not soaring through the cosmos looking for alien chicks, we're hanging out in the nuttiest head on and off the Internet. That is the Jackal head. Are we ready to blast off?
1: You are about to enter a new dimension in sound.
0: Raise your hand.
2: Uh, His Highness, the Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. What
0: the heck happened last night?
3: Hang on to your hats because you're about to go on a heck of a ride through time, space, and the multiverse.
4: How do I reach these kids? Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Greensboro, North Carolina. Shawna, North Carolina. Chicago. Tampa, Florida. Miami. Dallas, Texas. I don't care where
0: the city is. How do I reach these gigs? And with all the high-tech gizmos these days,
3: the biggest trick the jackal ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist.
0: I reach the gig. the Jackal.
1: <laughs> In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with muggings mysterious, all police and detectives are serious, cause they can't find the source, of this lethally evil force. This is serious, so give me a quarter I was a witness, give me a report all April O'Neil in on this case Hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to wait We need help right quick on the double Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble We need heroes like the Lone Ranger When Tonto came pronto, when there was danger They didn't say we'd be there in half an hour Cause they displayed <laughs> the trail determined to put these crooks in jail she spied the bad guys and saw it happened but before she knew it she fell in the trap and got caught yeah she was all alone with no friends and no phone now this was beyond her worst dreams because she was caught in by some wayward scenes if they were anything but good, misguided on love, they call with the food. They could terrorize and be angry you then They loved the people who needed truth Then from out of the dark came an awesome sight shout a as they hit the ground From the field of weeds The heroes rescued the flower Cause they possess the it at home instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning. Still, what's normal? But now the mutants splinters the teachers, so they are the students. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. He's the food that's sure to please. These ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese.
5: You know, it's been 24 years since this song debuted. It's been 24 years since the Ninja Turtles were the number one movie in the country. That's right, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, folks, is the number one movie in the country. What the heck? I feel like I'm, I've gone back in time, it's incredible Welcome to the show everybody, this is Inside the Jackal's Head And we are live on the PSN Radio Network This is psn-radio.com You're listening to, once again, Inside the Jackal's Head And that song you, uh, you were listening to there is called Turtle Power And it's by Partners in Crime Old school song, a classic song from 1990 You know, it's, it's times like these that I feel really, really old when the Ninja Turtles are back in theaters after 24 years of the original film. And I saw that movie in theaters, by the way. And 24 years later, they're the number one movie in the weekend again. Uh, Congratulations to the Turtles. I guess they do have turtle power and a lot of uh, staying power with today's uh, youth. Now it's funny because a lot of the kids today are huge Ninja Turtles fans, and uh, it seems like they're they're not going away. It's not a fad. A lot of people back then thought, "Oh, it's just a fad," you know. Uh, the turtles will be gone in a couple of years. Well, here we are, 24 years later, folks, and we're celebrating a weekend report: the Ninja Turtles. Are number one at the box office again. Ninja Turtles uh, fans, old and young, showed up at the movies this weekend, driving in droves to watch the latest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film uh, to one of the biggest August openings ever. And uh, this has been kind of a slow year at the box office, so it's kind of uh, remarkable this this movie is uh, doing as well as it is. Uh, meanwhile, though, just to uh, catch everybody up on this other little film called Guardians of the Galaxy. It scored its uh, highest second weekend uh, or it scored the highest second weekend of the summer so far. Impressive numbers for that movie. Now, the the two properties we have here Guardians of the Galaxy and the Ninja Turtles are uh, interesting. They're both uh, similar and they're in the sense that they're both comic book related. Uh they're both about a group of superheroes. Um, You know, they're not human, most of them anyway Are not human beings on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Except for Star-Lord But the rest are, you know, aliens and stuff Uh, Ninja Turtles, of course, are not aliens That would be kind of stupid, right? As the uh, trailer tells us, uh, but uh, no, they're on—they're Ninja Turtles, which is not stupid at all, no. Uh, but two interesting properties, and the interesting thing is here: Guardians of the Galaxy is an unknown source property. I mean, th- this is uh, an incredible amount of money this movie's making, uh, considering that just a year ago, nobody knew what Guardians of the Galaxy was. Not a single person knew what it was Uh, But there's uh, a It's an incredible Guardians of the Galaxy It looks like it's going to be The biggest movie of the summer When it's all said and done And it says here the top 12 movies Earned an estimate uh, 173.6 million this uh, weekend Which is up 22% from the same frame last year Uh, This August remains on track To be the biggest ever Considering last month was kind of a slow month uh, that's uh, re- that's really good for the movie industry, and now uh, this could be the first to pass one billion. By the way, this month, uh, the Ninja Turtles ruled a box office with an estimated 65 million dollars this weekend. That ranked fourth all time for the month of August. It's noticeably higher than GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra, which earned. 54.7 million in uh, its debut, though, though the uh, 3D premiums and ticket price inflation likely did account for most of that gap. Uh, says so here the movie also made more than on the weekend, the 2000 on this weekend, uh, than the 2007 animated turtles uh, movie did in its entire run. Which is, that's understandable. The animated movies are never going to make as much as the live-action stuff. Uh, just because the the crowd is not going to be as into it. I didn't go see it in theaters either. And I'm a, a huge uh, Ninja Turtles fan. So, I can't wait to go see this one. I haven't had a chance to see it. I've heard, uh, you know, negative reviews, positive reviews, glowing reviews. Uh, some people said that their childhood was raped. Uh, but that happens all the time with these kind of movies. You always are going to have the exaggerators who exaggerate everything including their childhood being raped. How do you rape somebody's childhood by just making something that's better than what came out before? Because let's be realistic. I love the Ninja Turtles property. I think it's a you know a great property. I think uh, the original movies served their purpose, especially the first one. The original first movie, it's a fun movie. You can still watch it. It holds up decently well, considering it's a 24-year-old movie now. But for the most part, if you really dissect those three movies that came out in the 90s, they're not very good. They weren't very good. I mean, neither one of them were very good. Uh, so to hear fanboys complain and, and moan about Michael Bay and Jonathan Liebsman or the music or the marketing and, and just complain and whine, it's it's amazing how how completely delusional some fanboys are. It's amazing. I mean, this movie, no matter how bad it is, it's going to be a much better film than whatever was done in the 90s. Just much better. I mean, technically speaking, this looks amazing. And, of course, it's done by Michael Bay's production company, who did the Transformers movies. And um, I don't care what anybody says, I love the Transformers films. I loved every single one of them. Uh, Special effects were great in those films. So if the Ninja Turtles uh, holds up well... And if it plays uh, like the recent Transformers uh, movies, it says it will wind up making less than about $160 million. Which is really good considering the negative backlash this thing had during the entire pre-production, post-production, everything. It just had a complete negative backlash from the fans, which I never understood. Now I get it, some people are mad. Oh, how could they get Megan Fox? Fans yelled out, Megan Fox this, Megan Fox that. Well, you know what? I'm not angry at Megan Fox. I like Megan Fox. I think she's a a nice little actress. You know, she's not going to win an Academy Award anytime soon. But then again, let's be realistic here, folks. Uh, You know, how many uh, Academy Award winners do you need in a Ninja Turtles movie? Not many. It's a freaking Ninja Turtles movie, crying out loud. You know what I mean? It's not like we're talking about uh, Shakespeare in the dark here, folks. We're not. This is the Ninja Turtles. So, get over it. Uh, You know, I I just don't get the the hatred for for Megan Fox. I mean, like I said, she's a nice little actress. She's nothing special, don't, don't get me wrong. She's not an Academy Award winner. She's not Sandra Bullock. We're not talking about America's sweetheart here, but... She's a nice little actress, and, you know, there's an audio clip I want to play here, which has nothing to do with the Ninja Turtles, but it has something to do with uh, Megan Fox, of all people, and uh, uh, it deals with some of the stuff that we normally deal with uh, most on the show. Uh, Of course, it's not a a show that deals much with uh, Ninja Turtles, for example, or movies. Uh, We like to deal with other forms of news and entertainment and conspiracy talk and all kinds of cool, kooky stuff. And um, she's actually, uh, she dropped a little gem on MTV recently. Where um, they asked her about aliens, and of course she's she's done the uh, Transformers movies, so uh, her talking about aliens is not really something that foreign, considering what she's been doing uh, in the Transformers movies. And even in this one, they thought, well, are they aliens? They're going to be aliens this time. Well, it turned out they're not aliens, they're just turtles. Uh, But, of course, that was a rumor. So she has kind of a little bit of an experience uh, when it comes to alien subjects. And I find it really funny that um, she uh, believes in aliens. Not only does she believe in alien life, which kind of tripped me out a little bit, but she believes in Bigfoot, she believes in all kinds of stuff. I mean, she is a believer no, no, not a Justin Bleber believer. Uh-huh. One of those. She is a real believer. Check this out. This is a real cool audio clip. Megan Fox on MTV talking about Bigfoot and aliens. There's some parallels between you and April. April
6: uh, believes in some outlandish things that some other people yes. might not. Necessarily- okay, let's
4: talk about how outlandish Bigfoot is because it's not really that outlandish to think that a large bipedal primate mm-hmm. exists somewhere on Earth that humans haven't discovered because it's intelligent enough to avoid being found how crazy is that not long ago i believe in vietnam they found something called a billy ape recently in recent years that stands at six feet tall that was a new discovery
6: how many books about bigfoot do you own
4: i don't own any books but i watch all the shows (laughs) you know do you
6: watch finding bigfoot
4: yeah yeah but les stroud went hunting for bigfoot and i feel like if survivor man believes in bigfoot why can't you
6: what about do you believe uh do you believe in ufos
4: yes yes 1,000%. 1,000%. Well, I wouldn't
6: be, that's, that's a very strong percentage. I, how can you that,
4: not believe? Because
6: in the history of man, we've never actually gotten any proof that there is an alien out there. So? Doesn't that if seem there, a little unlikely? If there are
4: more advanced species, why would we be able to find them if they don't want it to be like found? just seems like a convenient
6: excuse is all I'm, I'm saying.
4: But until we find things, they had never previously been found, yet they still exist.
6: What about ghosts?
4: Yes. I believe in everything.
6: Have <laughs> you ever seen a ghost?
4: No, but I've heard ghosts.
6: What have they said to you?
4: Well, they don't—they don't talk to me <laughs> in my head. I don't hear voices in my head. Um, I was just in Mexico, actually, at my hotel, and it was a bedroom, living room, bedroom because I was traveling with my kids, and we also Brian couldn't come, so we had a nanny. I'll make it short. Um, At 7 a.m., I had pre-ordered breakfast for 7.30. At 7 a.m., I hear them come in with the table, two people. I hear them pouring the coffee, and I'm like, oh, I'm not getting out of bed for 30 minutes. My coffee's going to be cold. That sucks. And then I got out 30 minutes later at 7.30. I went in there, no table, no coffee, no food, no nothing, no one there. Doorbell rings. I open the door. It's room service with my food. They bring it in. I turn around. All the bedroom lights are on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm delirious. I've been traveling drink your coffee, get ready for work. Brandy, the nanny, comes out later, and she's like, why did room service come at 7 when we told them to come at 7.30? So you can't tell me I'm crazy because two people heard it. It's the room service ghost. Yeah. I can't explain to you why they were making those sounds. It seems
6: like a strange choice for a ghost to, to haunt Megan Fox Mexico City. So are you Mexico saying City? that
4: someone from the hotel just came in, poured coffee, cleaned it up, and then left just for the in front of pouring coffee in my room and then leaving, leaving no trace behind.
6: I think it's a good story a, for the room service better, attendant at so Mexico y- City Hilton. you think
4: that's more, that's a better explanation yes. than it was haunted? Yes. Yeah! <laughs> you have to agree and this way. Okay. Okay, is that okay? Yeah!
5: Now tell me you just didn't fall in love with Megan Fox all over again. Because I know I have. I love this girl. This, this it's amazing. She is a genius. This is a smart, smart lady. Let me tell you, all you Megan Fox haters, you bashers, uh, people who just pick on this poor girl for whatever stupid reason. She's gorgeous and she's got a brain. Look, that's uh, some of the smartest thing uh, things that I've heard from a celebrity's mouth um, in a very long time. When it comes to the uh, subject of aliens, UFOs, ghosts, and all that stuff. And honestly, if you're a ghost, wouldn't you want to hunt Megan Fox as fine as she is? I mean, let's be realistic here. I'd haunt her. All the way, all the way, man, from Mexico to wherever she lives. I just, I'd be like the ghost stalker, just stalking her. Cause my goodness, is she good looking. Now I'm gonna move on to a couple of uh, other stories uh, relate, not related to Megan Fox. As sad as that it makes me, because uh, love Megan Fox. But there's a couple of things I wanted to get to before um, we go on break, and uh, we bring on our guest who's gonna join us. Uh, now this is gonna be really cool, guys. Um, I haven't really talked about the guest much. Uh, Mark Anthony is the gentleman's name. And Mark Anthony is the psychic lawyer. And we're going to do psychic readings here tonight on the uh, last segment of the show. So if you guys want to call in and uh, have him do a reading for you, we're going to go ahead and let you do that. Uh, You know the number, uh, Skype, 786-245-8127, as usual. Now, remember, everybody, it's going to be for the last segment only. Where we have uh, the the actual readings, uh, so for the first hour it's going to be me and Mark. We're going to talk about his, uh, you know, his work, what he does as a psychic lawyer and other psychic stuff that he's done over the years. Um, been actually interested in, in getting him on the show here for quite a bit. Uh, very interesting uh, gentleman, and um, this is going to be a really really fun show. Now, like I said, he's also known as a psychic attorney, not just a psychic lawyer, uh, but he is the world's renowned, by the way, world renowned psychic medium who specializes in communication with spirits. He is a descendant from a long line of psychics and mediums that have been helping people with their abilities for centuries. That's pretty cool stuff. And again, he's going to be with us in about uh, 8 to 10 minutes, and we're going to um, have him on for the entire show. So again, guys, if you want to call in and get a reading, this is a good time to do it. Free reading from the psychic lawyer. Can't beat that. Now, moving on to a couple of uh, other uh, articles I wanted to get to here. Uh, this is from uh, beforeitsnews.com. Scientists were left speechless at what they found beneath Egypt. Now, this is one of the most controversial mysteries ever, and it might have just been solved. Now, for many generations, it has been questioned and debated by, you know, I'm talking about many long hours of debate that has gone on, uh, pouring into the uh, into whatever evidence there is uh, of whatever technology there might have been back in the Egyptian times, uh, but yeah, there's never been any clear proof proving that they've had any kind of technology. Of course, that's why the ancient aliens always say, well, you know, they couldn't have built the pyramids. It had to be the aliens who did it because they had no technology back then. How can they build pyramids with no technology? How do they get the rocks up there? You know, that's the question, right? However, today, more evidence keeps piling up that proves that ancients actually did have some sort of technology, some even uh, maybe far beyond what we can achieve today or even imagine. Brian Forster takes you down the dark tunnel beneath the pyramids and inside a place that you've only seen in your imagination. And uh, it says here, uh, but now he goes even further and takes you beneath Egypt uh, where the mysterious 100-ton stone boxes were discovered. Some people believe that they were used for burial purposes, but Brian clearly shows how they were used for ancient high technology. And it is possible that the technology of the ancients was so advanced, it goes above and beyond Ours today. Now he says here in the Bible it tells us, uh, and I'm going to uh, kind of go through the Bible quick here because i only got a few minutes, but it says the Bible tells us, echo, it says, uh, Echo 1 9 uh, says, the thing that, laith be, uh, that hath been, and I'm butchering the Bible here by the way, the thing that hath been, it is which shall be, and that it, what it's done is that shall be done. Basically, there's nothing new under the sun, is what they're trying to say here. And uh, basically, whatever technology we might have, might have in the future, we might have had in the past. That's what this is trying to get at. uh, Where we believe that we've gone forward and advanced throughout history, it's possible that we have actually are far behind our ancestors. So, what has he discovered? Go check for yourself at BeforeIt'sNews.com. I'm going to post this article on my Facebook page, uh, the Inside the Jackal's Head uh, page, so you guys can read on This is a very, very cool article. Uh, check it out. Uh, this could be a groundbreaking technology found right under the pyramids, ancient technology that might prove that we actually had some sort of uh technological advancements that we can't even fathom today. Just think about that for a second. Now, moving on to other technological mishaps, and um, I'm talking about SETI here, which has been. Uh, technological nightmare since their inception, really. SETI has been one failed program. It really has. It's not. I mean, it's searched for years now for alien life and it's found none. No alien life, nothing. But SETI also uh, has been going through uh, some uh, major, major issues the last few weeks. And finally, the SETI search is back online after wildfires, uh, after wildfire threat hit them. Now, raging wildfires halted operations at the SETI. Institute, and now the SETI, of course, stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Uh, The Institute Allen Telescope Array in Hat Creek, California. uh, SETI uses the array of radio telescopes to listen for incoming radio transmissions that could be communications from extraterrestrial civilizations. Employees were forced to evacuate the area when the data network and electricity were reportedly interrupted at the SETI site. Senior astronomer Seth Shostak explained to CNN, and he said, we can't listen when all that is, when all that is down. Uh, CNN reported that the blaze came from uh, within the mile of the facility, on um, both the east and the west. So it really it, wow, I'm looking at the pictures here. This is pretty graphic. Um, man, it's a lot of fire. Now, of course, none of this had to do with SETI itself. It was just surrounding fires. Uh, Shostak posted regular updates uh, to the SETI Institute website during the ordeal. On uh, Thursday, the uh, 7th, he reported that the Eller fire is now reported as being 40% contained and is no longer threatening the array. Uh, So much worse damage could have been done to their array system, and it really could have been bad if that would have uh, gone down. Uh, SETI scientists were eventually permitted to return to the site, and on Friday, August 8th, just a couple of days ago, Shostak reported the following message on his Twitter account, announcing that the institute's alien search is back online. And I'm going to quote here: "says Mr. Shostak, uh, Allen Telescope Array is back up, uh, back up and running. The bush fire didn't quite get to the antennas, thankfully. So good news for SETI, and hopefully now they have another 30 years of wasting money and finding nothing." Let's be honest, that's what SETI is doing. They're just wasting time, wasting money, and finding absolutely nothing out there. It's ridiculous, and it's kind of a just a, a crime, really, at this point. I mean, how many hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars are these folks wasted already? And not one signal. Nothing. Nothing to show for it. You know, some people would say, well, you know, it's because of uh, the simple fact that they're looking at, uh, you know, these uh, spectrums of uh, radio waves and stuff, and aliens won't won't be using that. They'll be using something more advanced, of course. That's exactly why they're never going to find anything, because they're looking in the wrong place. Just like human beings to always be looking in the wrong places for life. Uh, Guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, first one of the night. When we come back, we'll have Mr. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, on the line with us. And uh, we're going to talk about his work. And, of course, we're going to have your calls in the last segment. Open lines the last 30 minutes of the show. Get ready for a couple readings. We'll be right back on Inside the Jackal's Cabeza. Right here on PSN Radio. Stick around. (laughs)
3: That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction.
5: We're back live on psn-radio.com. This is Inside the Jackal's Head. And like I promised, we're back with our guest of the evening, the psychic lawyer himself, Mr. Mark Anthony. Welcome to the show, sir. It's long overdue, and I'm so happy to have you finally on the show here.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here. I've been excited about doing this. And uh, to, to all the listeners, hello.
5: Now, speaking of all the listeners uh, who might you know recognize your name but might not know you from your work itself because you have a famous name. Mark Anthony, uh, not to be <laughs> yeah. confused with the Latin lover Mark Anthony,
2: the Latin lover Cleopatra, you know. Uh, yeah, it's to funny. Be you with know, those it's guys. like between Cleopatra and JLo. Lo. Everybody's heard of Mark Anthony, and right, and uh, so so that's a good thing, I guess.
5: It is. It it, it definitely, I'm sure, helps your SEO.
2: <laughs> it does. Well, it was funny. I was um I was gonna be on this one uh, radio station one time, and my spot was coming up at top of the hour. So, of course, you call in ahead of time and the the two djs they're on this african-american show and they were getting ready to go off as the host of the of the next show was coming on they go who's on the phone mark anthony and they put me and go mark anthony dude bro how is j-lo and i said no i'm the psychic lawyer they go the psych oh my and so th- this whole thing went on and they were hysterical and i was telling them all this stuff and then when it went to uh the show i was supposed to be on the host took over from these two other guys she goes Okay, I don't think my introduction can top that, so Mark, great to have you here. And it, was, it was hysterically funny. And, and the reason that I remember that so well is that was the day that my book, Never Letting Go, had been uh, released and uh it was it was so funny because um i was here in florida and we were having a tropical storm with 70 mile an hour 60 70 mile an hour winds and and all the stuff was going on and i'm on the radio and all and it was just it's one of those memorable times that was hysterically funny and yet could have been a total natural disaster so but in the end everything worked out fine
5: you're definitely a positive person, so I'm pretty sure that helped out also. Stay positive. <laughs> well, after
2: 14 hurricanes, two tornadoes, you, know? <laughs> um, you kind of develop... <laughs> You're positive <laughs> about everything.
5: Nothing can hurt you, right?
2: Well, <laughs> well, you develop a healthy respect for Mother Nature, that's for sure.
5: Now, what part of Florida are you from, Mark? Because I'm down here in Miami myself.
2: Okay, I'm in central Florida in the, in the Orlando ah, area. And, gotcha. um, you know, F- Florida is a great place, although this time of year it is, we, we call it the three H's. It's either hot and humid, or it's always yes. hot and humid, or it's a hurricane. Yes. And I'll take the hot and humid over the hurricane
5: yeah well we haven't had uh, we haven't really had a bad bad hurricane in, in quite a bit i mean uh last at least here in miami i mean orlando's been hit a little bit here and there with storms but uh, nothing like andrew remember andrew in 92 that was bad
2: Yeah, I remember, Andrew, because I live on the coast and we had to evacuate because they weren't sure if it was going to hit. Um, But in 2004, we got hit by uh, Hurricane Francis then Hurricane Jean within three weeks of each other. And the place was absolutely devastated. I mean, power was knocked out, the infrastructure was down. And uh, with all due respect to our brothers and sisters in in, uh, New Orleans, we didn't attack the police and the National Guard and loot things. Uh, We were kind of like, working with them and how i was helping my neighbors put tarps on their roof and and i think that um we have to learn a lesson from that that in difficult times we need to pull together and not treat um treat the the services that are coming to help us as the enemy because they're not
5: mm. yeah no it's very, it's true it really is true i, I saw it firsthand when andrew uh, hit down here, in Miami. I was here uh during hurricane Andrew, and while there were no looting and nothing like that, but you you could see the, the the distinct between the the regular civilians and the police officers who were trying to help uh military folks who were trying to help, and uh just that like I don't know that inbred hatred towards authority,
2: yeah uh, which, which like is the weirdest this, thing it's very strange, it's like there's this undercurrent. That is kept in check by superior force, and as soon as the force is removed, then all of a sudden it, it sort of erupts. Right. And you know, and I know that we're going off on a tangent on that, but but that is something too that that we need to look at in our own spiritual nature. Mm. And you know, there there's the. unending balance between the ego and the spirit and the ego can also be termed as animalistic impulses yes it's the rage the jealousy the predatorial the you know there's a reason that we have self-control that if you sit down in a restaurant and look at what somebody's next to you is eating and you and and it looks better than what you're eating that you don't reach over and grab the steak off their plate and start you know (laughs) eating it okay and and uh I know that's, that's kind of a an extreme example, but that is is the the great spiritual test that we go through all the time. And when you see on a mass scale that people just go insane as soon as authority figures are removed, it's it's very sad. I think.
5: How much of that do you think, Mark? And I know this is way off what we're going to talk about here with, when it comes to the psychic stuff. But how much do you think of that? Is uh kind of a, a manifestation of just uh, an anger towards society the way it is by, you know, people that are lower class, uh, you know, more than anything else. You know, like, poor people, I'm pretty sure, are pretty upset when it comes to, you know, to government because, you know, they're they're poor and they want to have money. And there's always that distinction between the classes. But how much do you think that has been, like, breeding during the last few decades where the poor, you know, class of society are, are so just distraught and just uh, just hate government so much that uh, it's kind of bleeding over now to other classes because now even middle class america kind of hates police and we're seeing more and more like hatreds for for law officers and court system and stuff and it's like bleeding all, all over uh the country even like rich people are showing their distaste for officers now which you never saw that before
2: i think it's always been there if you look at uh, the, the old black and white movies of the 1930s and you see Charlie Chaplin and the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and, and that, you always see people that are comical are making fun um, of the upper class and of authority figures. And right. I remember um, uh, reading about uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Who was like the ultimate authority figure uh, and head no of kidding. the F- uh, FBI? <laughs> yeah. And he, but he liked rubbing elbows with people in Hollywood so that he could gather information on them and sort of blackmail them. I mean, this, this was a very common. We could do a whole show just on J. Edgar Hoover. And he was having uh, dinner, and Charlie Chaplin was at the the table, and Chaplin made some some um, negative comments and and made fun of of the government and uh, Hoover took exception and Charlie Chaplin basically said well you know uh, the, the the little guy always likes watching the upper classes get kicked in the butt well interestingly enough um, in, in the coming years then Charlie Chaplin was accused of being a communist and of course
4: uh, hmm. yeah. J.
2: Edgar Hoover was behind that and he actually left the country for several years and went to go live in France so there's nothing new about this um, I think that there's always been class envy, and there's always been a, res- uh, a resentment of authority, the, the unending uh, struggle or conflict between the, the haves and the have-nots. Um, you know, And I don't think it's just so simplistic as, oh, I'm jealous of somebody. I think that jealousy at times maybe a po- you can take a lemon and turn it into lemonade instead of saying i am jealous because that person is rich how about looking at them and saying i'm jealous that that person is rich but she did it by working really hard and coming up with an innovative idea that made a lot of money so right. instead of wishing ill upon that person how about being inspired and motivated by it you know right. um i i've had um um, people say to me, uh, you know, in my practice of law, oh, well, you're just one of those rich lawyers. And it's like, yeah, well, when I graduated law school, okay. Uh, nobody handed me a trust fund along (laughs) with my degree. I graduated (laughs) penniless and up to my ears in student loans, all of which I paid off. Okay. And people, instead of Wanting to tear me down, what I would say to them is, why don't you get inspired and take whatever skill set you have and use it to your best ability? Because we all have a skill set. Some people are great uh, athletes. Some people are great mechanics. Some people are great mathematicians. Some people are creative. And you take that, we all have gifts from God, and you take that gift from God and you use it to your best ability And then you're doing the right thing. And you don't worry about what other people are doing or what their material success is. You focus on what you're doing and be the best that you can at what you do.
5: Now, you have an extraordinary gift Could be from God. Could be from any uh, being that um, created everything. Uh, Your ability to uh, to read people and speak to uh, the afterlife, to speak to spirits, is uh, something that amazes me because um, I've never seen a ghost. I've never been able to speak to a spirit, but I've always been fascinated with that subject. Uh, And just to close what we're talking about here with uh, with the authority figures, it is funny how psychically I think it's a universal language, uh, Mark. That no matter what hate there is for authorities, uh, when the number one person that people call for whenever they're in trouble is the police, regardless of who they are, what class they are. They always uh, go back and revert back to calling the cops when they when they're in need. So no matter how much you hate them, you need them. And uh, but, it
2: is interesting too that people who claim they are atheists, when everything has crumbled and fallen around them, all too often they turn to God. There's right. a, there's an old saying in the military. There are no atheists
5: in foxholes. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's funny that you say that. I've, I've uh, known a couple of atheists. I'm atheist myself, just to get that out of the way real quick. Uh, but I'm atheist kind of with a little bit of an open mind, and I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Um, I've known, like, strict atheists who just don't believe in anything, and I've known a couple of them who were very sick. or One of them passed away, and the moment that he was getting very, very sick uh, from brain cancer, um, he found God. Ironically enough, as he was nearing death, he started believing and believing, and next thing you know, he had a Bible and he was reading, and you know, he found uh, his God. Well, it, uh, and it does brought, happen a lot. It, it brought him comfort, and it did, yeah. It,
2: well, there's a big difference between God and religion, and what a right. lot of uh, you know self-proclaimed atheists um, do is they get the two confused. Because I know a lot of people that are angry at religions right. the way they've been treated. You know, because uh, so many religions are fear-based. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad. We're sinners, we're yeah. sinners, we're sinners. My way is the only way. There's only one way. You know, it's like, right, okay, so we're we're believing in this infinite being which transcends time and space and is a multidimensional being that's in a vast intelligence and creative network throughout the entire universe. And... There's only one way to uh, obtain union with this being, and that's through the first church of the ultra right wing on Yeehaw <laughs> Road in, in uh, Goofball Junction. And really, um, you know, and I, do, I don't mean to, to be insulting or demeaning to people's religions, but you have to realize that God exists in spite of religion not because of religion, and that religions are merely a path to God. And I like to quote uh, the late Beatle George Harrison, a very spiritual man. And yes. I quoted him on this in, in my book, Never Letting Go. He said that all religions are branches of one big tree, and it doesn't matter what you call God just so long as you call.
5: Right. That's a, and that's where I stand. I'm, see, I'm one of these atheists. This is what I mean when I, when I said I have a, a, a little bit of an open mind, even though I am atheist. Uh, my anger is towards religion and the lies and fallacies of religion itself. Not... So much with Big G himself uh, or itself or whatever that might be. I just have a problem with any religion who, you know, says, oh, God loves you and God's all loving. But if you don't believe in him, you're going to burn in hell. That well, to me well, just stands wrong. You know, well, that's just a problem. Well, look I have with what religion.
2: that filthy organization in Iraq, ISIS, is doing. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they give. It, it, they're so extreme that even Al Qaeda kicked them out. <laughs> yes. I mean, seriously. I mean, this, this yeah. is how bad they are. I mean, it's like. Wow, you're so bad, even the devil kicked you out of hell. <laughs> and And the thing is, not only is it that you you have to convert to Islam, you have to convert to their f- version of Islam. And in the last month, aside from killing thousands of people and and recently burying uh, non-Muslims alive, which is just you know horrific, they have destroyed priceless archaeological sites and treasures. Uh, because they didn't conform to Islam, uh, they destroyed right. these these beautiful Assyrian statues of these winged lions. They blew up the tomb of the prophet Jonah, A.K.A. Jonah, who supposedly was you know swallowed by the big fish or whale or whatever it was in in the Old Testament. And you know they're, they're just going around destroying world heritage cultural sites, mm. and they're doing this in the name of God. And they're not doing it in the name of God. They're doing it out of barbarism and ego right. and a politically yep. driven agenda. And that's the problem with religions. Mm-hmm. And then you get in this country, it's fascinating because as a, I'm also a legal analyst, and I'm called upon to do a lot of analysis on on high-profile cases and situations. I mean, you look at these alleged Christians who are turned – who. Jesus talked about being full of love and peace and understanding and not judging your neighbor. Okay, and you get these, these people who say they're Christians and they're, they're anything but. They're hateful, they're judgmental. Um, the, the, the whole gay marriage debate is bringing out the ugliest hmm. aspects no of yeah. religious fanatics. And the thing is, there's a big difference between a Christian and a religious fanatic. When you yes. get the people that say, this is bad, God hates this, God hates that, God hates everyone that I, I, I hate, well, that's not a Christian, that's a religious fanatic, because I don't ever recall reading where Jesus said, um, well, I hate these people, and they're too filthy and beneath me to seek um, or or to be worthy of my love and my help, and... and it's something Gandhi said that I've always admired. He said, I like your Christ, but I don't like you Christians because you don't act like your Christ. And and what I like about um, Pope Francis, uh, and it's funny because he recently visited an evangelical church in Italy, and immediately um, I was reading um, the thousands of comments by evangelicals saying he's not a Christian, he's a heretic, he's the Antichrist, he's evil, he's this. And I'm thinking, wow. You're really making Gandhi's point, aren't you? Because here you have the leader of the Catholic Church reaching out to other religions with the hand of friendship, and you guys are all casting the first stone. And, and so this is where religion goes wrong, and this is where a lot of people, and I might suggest you know, respectfully yourself, where people have been wronged and humiliated and and said that you're bad. I mean, you know, as a medium, I mean, I have to, uh, you know, we get emails all day long from these people, you're going to burn in hell and you're going to this and you're going to that and the book of Deuteronomy this and the book of Leviticus that. It's like, yeah, well, I'm sorry, but I don't subscribe to primitive Bronze Age superstitious nonsense.
5: And that's really all it is. It, yeah. it's a, that's exactly his book of religious uh, Nonsense It really is And it's amazing uh, how many times uh, or, or how many uh, generations has been, Have been brainwashed over the last 2,000 years Talking about 2,000 years worth of brainwashing That, you know, that we're talking about Christianity I mean, this, you know, religion goes back Thousands of years even before that uh, So, I mean, it's amazing how easily uh, Religion has won over the, the populace And brainwashed the masses Over the last four or 5,000 years, isn't it?
2: Well, yet, through it all, the, the people... It's that, it's
5: that need, though, isn't it, more like that need to, like, at least... You it's, know, a know that
2: connect, it's a need to connect with God, God being right. a, an infinity, and people put a, human, a humanoid uh, or a relatable face on it. But what happens is, through all of the, the despicable behavior of religious fanatics, the true light does still shine, um, that we must love one another as we love ourselves we must treat other people the way we want to be treated mm. that peace and, and love and understanding are the cornerstones of of true spirituality and when you look at the roots of all the great religions they're all basically saying that what happens is when you get self appointed religious and political leaders who are looking for a moral justification for their own ego-driven agendas. Well, if you say, well, we need to fly planes into buildings and kill people because I disagree with the U.S. foreign policy in Israel, you don't get a whole lot of volunteers. But when it turns into... God wants us to do that, and if you do this, then you are rewarded with you know a massage parlor in, in heaven seventy two virgins seventy two <laughs> virgins which you know by the
5: way the 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 big, uh, the it's big misconception there thing. is yeah but here's the, the big misconception is the seventy two virgins were the other people that bombed themselves before you bombed yourself. Yeah, so they're all guys, basically. All the virgins are guys. Just well, I was hoping.
2: <laughs> well, I shouldn't say this be politically <laughs> correct, but anyway, um, it, it's just it's it's ridiculous um, when when people are gullible enough to believe that. But religion yeah. has been used to justify the most horrific things imaginable. But that's not God. That's the human ego, which edges God out. And so when the human ego is, is um, the driving force of a political or le- religious leader and they need, quote-unquote, a moral justification for their behaviors, well, of course, you always turn to God is with us. I right. mean, Stalin, a you know, communist Stalin... Um, Staunch atheists, but when Nazi Germany invaded Soviet Russia, all of a sudden they're passing out the Bibles, and Stalin makes this this incredible speech the Holy Mother Russia speech, which had religious overtones, so it's interesting how the communist atheist suddenly jumped on the uh the religious bandwagon to rally his people, ironically. The Nazis also had a uh, saying, God with us. <laughs> so, um, if you, you know. United States
5: also in the dollar bill, in God we trust. You know, God we
2: trust, yes. And,
5: and even sports teams, you know, like the winning team always thanks God. You never, you never see like the losing team saying, you know, God just doesn't like us, they like the other team better. You never hear that. But the winning team is always thanking God. Oh, God's with us. God loves us. It's funny, you know, it took thousands of years for God to pick a sports team. That's really what it is sometimes. That's what it feels like. Whenever I hear like the Yankees after they win the World Series, oh, God, you know, it's because of God. Really said God's a Yankee fan. That's what you're trying to tell me.
2: Well, you know, perhaps (laughs) maybe they're thanking God for the beautiful gift of athletic prowess that they've been given. And uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um,
5: You know, I do like the fact though that you're like me in a sense. You could separate religion and God and look at it as two completely separate things. Uh, religion has been nothing but brainwashing for, like I said, thousands of years. Uh, now, I do believe that there is an organization uh, within the cosmos, some kind of a, a entity that controls everything, that created everything, uh, what was there before the Big Bang, for example. But I, I do believe in evolution as well, which is kind of a, of a weird combination. So I, then I, you're either, either I, you're a believer in evolution or you're a believer in creationism.
2: I don't I, I see. Actually, it, for whatever was, reason. it was the Catholic Church that first put forth the Big Bang Theory back in 1926. Isn't uh, that funny? Yeah. Well, <laughs> because, because the Catholic Church has in many ways always looked at the Bible as teaching largely in metaphor. And right. so seven days for, for God could be billions of years in in our terms it's like when people take right. it literally literally it's like so, you know i don't want to get off on that um it just you know that's just silly but but the thing is i've never seen a conflict between the big bang you know between crea- creationism and evolution because the universe is not a static place things were always changing and evolving and and growing and I don't believe that uh, God would create something that was just static because if that were the case then dinosaurs would still be be roaming the earth and nothing would ever change and, and our right. planets constantly changing and evolving and and the study of cosmology and the universe shows us that uh, the universe too I mean stars exploding you know planets come and go and uh, eventually we're going to come and go and that's all seems to be part of it and, and interesting is if you look at Hinduism, Hinduism talks about that's the there's the creation, the su- sustaining of the universe, and then the destruction, and then a recycling of that. And the right. Hindu attitude is that if our world is destroyed, so what? Because another one will form, and we all come back, and we'll start a new cycle. And I've always found Hinduism very fascinating in that respect. When you get into the mm. philosophical um and the the, uh, the the way they look at energy in the cycle of recreation, I think, where they get kind of bogged down to is in their own mythology, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and so on and so forth.
5: Now, I don't know if you're on on, on the same, uh, I would say, page with who the Jesus figure was in history, as uh, you know, I am, and what we've talked about on this show in the past, I'm, I'm pretty sure you haven't heard uh, some of the the guests I've had on on the subject and before. But uh, you know, one of the, one of the topics uh, with Jesus is that he spent some of the missing years uh, studying with the, with the, with Hindus or with the Hindu religion, studying with Buddhist monks, uh, and a lot of the teachings that Jesus implemented later on were directly lifted from them, especially stuff of the afterlife and uh, stuff like that. No, you know that is the case, and that is the truth, and. Wouldn't most of the credit for hearing Christianity come, really, because of the Buddhist religion? It, it
2: very well could, and but see, one thing that a lot of those people gloss over because I, I've read books on that subject, uh, and mm. supposedly in a Tibetan monastery, there's references right. of a Saint Issa, Issa, right. uh, who came from the West. You know, a lot of people gloss over the um, the the certain stories in the Bible and when herod the great went crazy and wanted to slaughter all the infants uh, where jesus uh, had been born and they fled to the land of egypt then the next thing you know all right jesus is back in in jerusalem after the death of herod the great well the most likely place for uh, joseph to have taken mary and jesus would have been alexandria egypt and at that time alexandria was the center of world commerce in the mediterranean it was a city larger than rome it was the intellectual financial and cultural center and it brought together asia africa and europe and not only that but twenty percent of the population of alexandria was jewish in fact it was like the largest jewish um, um cosmopolitan concentration outside of jerusalem Well, it was essentially the Manhattan of the day. So now we have a young um, um, Jewish boy brought by his parents into a city... They would have blended right in, of course, because, you know, 200,000 people at least would have been Jewish. So Jesus would have grown up in an environment where he would have been exposed to the first-rate Jewish scholars of the day, plus the Greeks who'd been in Egypt since the conquest by Alexander the Great, plus the Romans who'd been there for the last 50 years, Plus the Egyptians, who you know, and their religion, who'd been there for the prior three thousand years, and there were also Hindu temples in Alexandria because over a hundred and twenty ships per year sailed from Egypt around uh, the Saudi, or excuse me, the Arabian Peninsula, to India, and there also were representatives from the court of Persia. So the Persian religion and Zoroastrianism. So. Let me tell you something. If you had to live in that time, Alexandria was the place to be, and Jesus very well was most likely um, exposed to all of this intellectual thinking. You know, but, but people just sort of gloss it over. And very, you know, Maybe he did go to India. It, it certainly was possible, but mm-hmm. even if he didn't, he may have had all of that wealth of knowledge right there in Alexandria that helped shape his thinking. It, we'll never know for sure, but it certainly makes uh, for great intellectual conversation, I think.
5: Oh, definitely. No, and, you know, the, the story of Jesus itself, uh, of course, Jesus Christ was not his real name. That's an anointment, anointed name, the Christ, Christo, means the right. king. Um, you know, his real name is still kind of vague. Uh, Isu, Isa, Joshua—you know, there's a lot of different interpretations of well, what the it, name. Well, could be. in
2: in uh, in ancient Hebrew, it would have been Yeshua. Yeshua, oh, correct. Yeah. And and the thing about Jesus that that a lot of people and and I was reading something recently about this is one of the myths of Jesus is that he was poor. And of course, the the Christian story is that you know he was poor and born right. in the manger and all that. Well, he was a descendant of the house of David through his mother Mary, mm. and. That's, that, that's a lot of influence right then and there. Secondly, Herod the Great and then his son Herod Antipas okay, were very much paranoid of Jesus. If Herod the Great had the infants killed, well, without turning this into a history lecture, Herod the Great married into his wife's family. They're the royals and basically had everyone executed until he completely took over. A very paranoid guy, very successful politician, outmaneuvered Cleopatra, then Antony and Cleopatra um, sided with them. They, he was on the losing side, yet still got Octavian Caesar not to crush him. Okay, so this guy was a seasoned politician. Now he hears um, a descendant of the House of David is born, so of course he would have wanted to eliminate all the competition. Um, let's fast forward 30 years. Uh, Jesus is on trial. The Roman governor says, I don't want to get involved with this, ships him over to Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, who's like, oh, no, him again. Well, let me ship him back to Pilate. Okay. We read the Easter story, gloss over all that, but when you start looking at this, Jesus was a political threat to these people because of his lineage. Now, if you want to go farther, Mary Magdalene was not a whore. In fact, it doesn't say in the Bible that she was a whore. That was a smear campaign uh, hundreds of years later when women, um, their position was demoted in the church. And there's a lot of people and scholars who believe that Mary Magdalene was a descendant of the house of Benjamin. Okay, so we have two very prominent Jewish families, a member of the House of Benjamin and a member of the house of david
5: well i'm going I'm gonna throw a monkey ranch in this story for a second because sure. there's another there 's another story of jesus uh, his origin uh, which i 'm not sure if you're familiar with um, and the origin is that the Jesus or you know the figure that was created the Jesus figure created by the church uh, was used and created based on and I know this is a name that you kind of brought up, uh, Caesar Caesarian. Are you familiar with this story at all?
2: Um, you mean Cleopatra's son?
5: Cleopatra and Julius Caesar's son. Yeah, Caesar Caesarian. Okay. Yeah. The story. The story is very similar. Uh, there's a Mary Magdalene also involved. Uh, Celine Magdalene is uh, the name of uh, of Mary Magdalene in this story. Um, not only that, uh, this person also Caesar Caesarian lived in the same time period as Jesus. Uh, of course, being the son of Julius Caesar, who was killed in battle, uh, his father was elevated to the status of Roman god, so he would be the descendant of a god, or the god of Rome. Uh, being the, also the son of uh, the queen of Egypt, he is the, the king of two kingdoms, right. the Pharaohs right. and Roman. Uh, and there's uh, there's a documentary, I'm, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it, it's called Ring of Power that right. connects all the dots from the from where we are today, where we are with the current uh, state of of the world, and it goes all the way into the lineage of Jesus and who he was, and it literally connects all the dots, Mark. It's an incredible documentary. It connects every single dot uh, to Caesar Caesarian, Mary Magdalene, the apostles. Everything is connected right back to this person, the son of Julius Caesar, Caesar Caesarian, and it it really makes uh, not not just a claim, but it makes uh, a claim with evidence and just uh, data proving that this is who Jesus was, and then the rest of the story was kind of lifted from mythology, like Horace's mythology and different things, and put together by the church in, as a propaganda campaign. I tend to believe that could be very well who he was because, uh, li- really, how many years passed before the first stories of Jesus came out uh, publicly or, or were written? Uh, um. And, uh, well, about, like, about two hundred years later.
2: Th- no, actually, um, it was about the first one. Th- Thirty to forty years after, after the uh, crucifixion, and the only problem with with the Caesarian story is that Antony and Cleopatra are defeated in thirty nine BC, and um, when Octavian seized Egypt, uh, he had Caesarian murdered, and and there's witnesses to that. And then hold on, and then uh, mm. Mark Antony's son with his Roman wife was also murdered. Um, Antelus, and then uh, Cleopatra and Mark Anthony had three other children. Uh, They had um, Ptolemy and then um, Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Selene, which were raised in Octavian's household, and then Caligula, who was a descendant of Mark Anthony, um, had uh, one of them strangled. (laughs) So, real nice family here. Um, so, So, the only problem is I can see that, But that one, the archaeological evidence Would be strongly against I mean, we could get I su- into a debate su- about this I suggest all, but... you
5: watch a documentary When you see it, you're going to be like, oh my god And then you just do your own homework on it And you're going you're gonna to really see the connections And how it all ties in perfectly I, I tend to buy that that's who Jesus was Now, here's the thing With uh, Baby Caesarian uh, I know that there was rumors of his demise Rumors that he was uh, killed But uh, while there were supposed witnesses There was never a body supposedly uh, there was never any uh, actual evidence.
2: He wasn't a baby. He was right. He was a teenager when he was murdered. There were
5: yeah, but that's the, the that's the story. But they never provided a body. There was never any proof. And if this person just disappeared for uh, x amount of years and they came back at age thirty from here to then, you know, yeah, they assumed he was dead. And that's where the stories came from yeah, but then by the time
2: of the crucifixion, it had been almost seventy years old, so that's why well it no make it sense. yeah, but
5: here's the thing. there's no year zero in the calendar, so and there's um, there's actually um, i would i would say it's about a good decade, maybe decade and a half between uh, the you know between year one in the previous uh, calendar year because year zero really there there's that gap where we don't even know when year one started how long ago it was after uh, the crucifixion so there is that huge gap it could be a decade it could be 15 years it could even be 20 years according to some historians so well, that would give you the actually, timetable
2: there's archaeological evidence of the existence of Pontius Pilate because about 20 years ago in Caesarea which is a port in what is now Israel Um, that's in ruins, but there was a a monument found with Pontius Pilatus, which is the uh, Latin equivalent of Pontius Pilate, and it dates from the time of the crucifixion. Now, you know whether or not you know we can link that Jesus was actually uh, put to death by Pontius Pilate, but the uh, the tradition is there. So anyway, we could go. Well, rapid. we know
5: that we know the crucifixions happened. I mean, that is historically uh, accurate. Well, sure. uh, crucifixions itself happened. Whether Jesus was crucified or not, you know that's up to you know you to believe if he was or wasn't, or the story. If you want to believe it, I I'm, I wasn't there, so I couldn't say one way or the other. But you know if you if you are a believer, that's fine. But the whole point is that there were crucifixions, we know that for a fact there's no denying that as a fact uh, we know, what do you make of, like, say for example like the Shroud of Turin
2: um, actually I, I, um, I give uh, an entire presentation on the Shroud of Turin and it is the single most studied object in human history um, and what there was the studies in the 1970s which dated it to around the first century. Then there were the studies in the 1980s, including the carbon-14 analysis, which put it at the Middle Ages. And then last year, the University of Padua did um, new studies, um, which they didn't have back in the 80s, which once again put it within 100 years plus or minus of the first century A.D., and there's a lot of reasons as to why there could have been the um, the dating for the medieval era. In fact, even uh, the Russians got involved with this. And, the, and see, the Shroud of Turin, um, good Lord, we could spend hours on this. The Shroud of Turin, um, there's references to a shroud. Um, right in the first century, then it reappears in the sixth century, then supposedly when the crusaders sacked Constantinople, they're supposed to be helping the Christians, and said they turned on the Greek Christians in 1204, that it was uh, confiscated, and then it emerges, and we have an unbroken line of it. Uh, in the late 1300s all the way up till today and the problem is the squabbling between aristocratic french and italian families and eventually it ends up in turin Um, the catholic church refers to it as an artifact they will not take a um, an official position on it and the studies of it um... i think the russians said that the imprints on it and, and plus the studies at oxford and at Padua and at the swiss institute they cannot conclude how the images were infused onto the shroud of turin so there's quite a bit of debate and it certainly is very very fascinating so the question is is it proof of the resurrection is it a medieval forgery or let's say it is a burial shroud from the first century, and there there is um, um, hemoglobin on it. Is that the hemoglobin of Jesus, or was it one of the thousands of people who were crucified during that time? In fact, a more recent theory came up and said that... Um, that when this body was entombed, there was an earthquake, which according to scripture there was, um, and that it could have released radioactive materials which had infused the image on the cloth. I found that one a little bit, you know, stretchy. That's a little bit of a
5: stretch, yeah. Yeah,
2: well, but it's interesting, but it's interesting. Actually, no, well, you know, so.
5: the the, uh, the explanation that uh, really took me by surprise uh, came. that came out a few years ago I think it was an '9 actually or 809. Uh, was it the possible image could be that of, um, of Da Vinci De more Ray uh, well no, da Vinci. Yeah,
2: well yeah I heard the one about da Vinci um, yeah. there was even
5: a study by a uh, study by the way my, uh, Mark, where they actually showed how he possibly did. Uh, the image of the Shroud of Turin, and uh, they were able to reproduce on a different uh, material the, almost the exact same image, uh, well, which was pretty incredible. I saw this on the documentary uh, a couple of years ago.
2: Well, that's all fine, well, and good, except da Vinci lived in the late 1400s to the early 1500s, and there's an unbroken chain of custody of the Shroud of Turin that dates from around 1347, So the Da Vinci story, yes, it's interesting. I don't buy it. Um, then there's the, it was Jacques uh, de, Mo- de Molay, de Marais, who was the Knights Templar, and uh, these people were like, uh, I've had people write on my Facebook page, well, you know that it's Jacques de Molay, and it's like, yeah, except he was burned at the stake.
5: Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> hard to leave an impression of a face with a mustache from yeah, beard. Yeah, I mean, if it was like an urn full of ashes,
2: I, you know, I might be persuaded, but yeah. um, the, thing <laughs> yeah, is, no kidding. the thing is, we'll probably never know. But it's a fascinating mystery. And I like something that Pope Francis said about it. He said, whether or not it is the face of Jesus, what we do see is the face of an anguished man who represents every man and woman who have been beaten down by oppression. And it's like, wow, talk about the Pope really being diplomatic about that. No kidding. (laughs) kidding. And and, um, it's going on display... Uh, publicly again next year, and this is something that um, I very well um, may go see. Uh, that's oh, cool. kind of one of the things on my bucket list. I really would like to see the Shroud of Turin. I talked to somebody that saw it. She's a very elderly lady. She's almost 90 years old. She goes, "Yeah, I saw it years ago." Well, I looked at. It's like, "Oh, well, no big deal." I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you understand it? She goes, yeah, well, I didn't really know and da-da-da-da-da, you know, and I was like, well, God, how can you say it? But then she told me something that was really cool. Uh, she said that uh, she's, she was uh, her husband was a general, and she saw Winston Churchill speak when he was like in his late 80s at, at West Point. And I'm like, did you? I go, wow. oh, my God, you know, that's like, oh, my God. And I said, well, yeah, wait, that's cool. did he, how was it? And she said, he did the most incredible thing. He was very old, and they stood him up, and he was real shaky, and he walked to the podium. And here he is speaking to the graduating class of West Point. And he said, never give up, never give up, never give up, never give up. Thank you. And he sat down. And, he, and she said the crowd went wild. They were cheering. And think about it, what more did Winston Churchill have to say? <laughs>
5: that's it. Yeah, that's it. You don't have anything else to say. That's, that, that's better than most Oscar speeches right there. That's
1: incredible.
5: <laughs> Stick around, guys. We're going to be right back with more of Mark Anthony. And uh, we're going to get to your phone calls later in the last segment. We've got to take another commercial break. Uh, this is Inside the Jackal's Head live on PSN Radio. We'll be back in two minutes. Mm-hmm
3: so jack
0: yes mom i wanted to talk to you about something and oh wait hold on i just got a text oh there's another one wow busy busy me so anyway oh wait mom i just got a message my friends keep commenting on my comment oh there's another one
1: so many comments on my comment
6: Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs!
0: Hey guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait, Mom, what? Huh? What? what did you say? Wait a sec, what? Huh?
6: This weekend,
3: Unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ag Council.
0: and more. SupermanHomepage.com join the club that gives you stuff hey thanks radio loyalty here's how it works just click on the radio loyalty banner right now and sign up then you keep on listening like you already do but now you earn points those points add up and you can trade them in for stuff in the radio loyalty store earn more points by sharing your station with friends on facebook and twitter answering surveys and by using the apps in the new players app store pretty simple right
5: radio loyalty
0: click that banner to join now
5: remember Future Theater could be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy.
0: Hi, Karumba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live
5: right here on PSN Radio.
3: Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people
5: want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to (laughs) www.futuretheater.com. Everybody, we're back live on uh, PSN-Radio.com Sorry, I had a misfire there, the verbal misfire Uh, This is Inside the Jackal's Head And you're listening to PSN Radio, that was the Cherry Bombs with Runaways Uh, Perfect segue uh, To the uh, next segment of the show Because we are trying to run away from the religious Conversation for a second Because I want to get into your psychic uh, medium work I want to talk about your history as a medium Before we continue on for the rest of the night And get to calls later uh, Let's you know jump into that for a second How did you get into uh, becoming a psychic medium? How did that start off? And uh, what led you to write the books That you're doing now?
2: It's a hereditary trait that runs in my family. Both my mother and my father's families are loaded with psychic mediums. and both For centuries, mother, I read, right? For, for centuries, and both yeah. my mother and father had, had – uh, my mother is on the other side. My dad's here with us, um, and both of them had these abilities. So um, when I look at it from a clinical standpoint, it's a recessive trait. In other words, a recessive trait is one that shows up um, maybe every couple generations, it's like being left-handed. Uh, that That's an inherited trait. Or maybe right. like in my family, most of the people have brown eyes, but there's some people that have blue eyes. So that's a rare trait. So when you have two parents that both have a recessive trait, the likelihood of one of the children having that trait is is much higher, and that would be me. And so so from a very young age, I was able to, to see spirits, and my parents didn't chastise me about it. They were very understanding, and, and they just said, don't talk about it outside of the house. And so as I, I as I got older and I went to Catholic school, I was kind of being groomed to be a Catholic priest. And I've spent most of my life studying history, archaeology, religion, and then I, I decided to not go into the clergy but to go to law uh, instead – Kind of an interesting,
5: <laughs> interesting no jump. No kidding, yeah, that's, that's well, a heck of a one jump.
2: One set of rules. <laughs> so another set of rules. I guess, I guess the whole rules thing always appealed to me. And you know what,
5: Mark, not to make a uh, crack here, but uh, you know, there's a lot of priests that could use a good lawyer nowadays.
2: Yeah, sad. Just saying. And, and what's nice, yeah. though, is, is um, it looks like if the church is going to change, it's going to be Pope Francis that makes it happen. Um, and I have my theories on, on the repressiveness uh, of the church and how that needs to go. But but the thing is, in fact, um, uh, one of my colleagues in law school was a priest, a really nice guy. Um, but I've always been drawn towards the spiritual work and to helping people. And I believe that both, both my work as a lawyer and as a medium revolve around evidence. Because as a lawyer, obviously, you have to have evidence to prove your case. And as a medium I have to bring forth evidence that is conveyed to me by a spirit to validate who the spirit is and and there's many ways that a spirit validates his or her Um, identity it can be through shared memories with the client that i'm reading through a personality profile through likes and dislikes of the person when they are alive or likes and dislikes of the person here Um, they can give facts and details and things Uh, sometimes they'll they'll present their names so so there's a lot of lot of things that they can produce and so that's it in a nutshell
5: now, when you started hearing voices for the first time, uh, how did that go down? Well, it was four. You know, and when you're four, it's like,
2: da-da-da-da-da. Oh, here's my friend. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he, right, yeah. Mom and dad would see them, too. And I remember my dad, in particular, He goes, I don't want you doing that. Hmm. That's and I felt really scared. And I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, well, then he realized I was afraid. And I remember my mom said, you know, to him, she goes, honey, I think he's like us. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? And so when I was about five, Dad sat me down and he said, Mark, I don't want people thinking you're crazy because crazy people get taken away in straitjackets. Now, there's a reason that he said that to me because his sister um was a very gifted uh psychic. She could foresee future events, she could see the presence of spirits. Mm. And she was married to this guy who – he liked to call himself a Christian. I call him a religious fanatic, and he didn't like her gift. And one day he was going to work, and he worked at um, Harrison Steel in in uh, Pennsylvania. And she told him – she says, I don't want you going to work. And she had uh, her stomach was hurting. She goes, I have a bad feeling. And she kind of threw a fit, and she goes, fine, I'll stay home. Well, he was a machinist. He worked in this machine shop. Well, that day a crane was lifting thousands of pounds – of steel beams, and the cable snapped, and it flattened the machine shop like a pancake and killed everybody in it, and he would have been there. Well, you think he would have been somewhat grateful? What he did is this increased his fear of her abilities, and he had her involuntarily committed to a mental institution. And wow. my dad, I remember him, him, he and my mom telling me how in the middle of the night these guys in white jackets literally came and forced her into a straitjacket, and she screamed and, and uh, my dad wanted to help and, and the brother-in-law, his, his idiot brother-in-law blocked him and they took her to a mental institution and, she, and subjected her to electroshock therapy for six months. Wow. And um, they said when she came out, she was a shadow of what she had been, and she never talked about seeing the future or spirits again. And so now I understand this. And so the thing is, um, psychics and mediums have been persecuted throughout the centuries. In, in Middle Eastern countries, many of them were, were still executed. And in this country, despite the fact that you know people are studying us, and you know, I've been studied and tested and stuff... Um, people still don't believe us. You, you have the people that say they're skeptics, but they're not really skeptics. They're just closed-minded and, and right. refuse to believe in anything. And then you have the religious nuts that are like, well, the book of Deuteronomy says that, you know, this is evil. And it's like, yeah, well, the book of Deuteronomy says I need to put my neighbor to death for working <laughs> yeah. so like, yeah. on the you Sabbath. Know?
5: and Don't take it too literal. <laughs>
2: by genocide and slavery and every other, you know, ill that has come down the pike. And, exactly. and you know, with all respect, I, I respect people's religions. But I have a problem when people use religion to justify anger, bigotry, hatred, and violence and mm-hmm. people who get not righteous but self righteous and feel that they are have the right to judge everybody else. There's people say, Well, I don't need to do you know, I don't need your services as a medium, it's like fine, I didn't say you did. But there are many people who want to hear from their loved ones. And, you know, People say, well, I don't believe you. It's like, yeah, well, I don't have to do this. I mean, I could just practice law, but this is a calling. And for me, it is what I am here to do, and I do my best to convey messages transferred from loved ones and spirit to my clients here. And um, I don't seek to convert anybody or convince anybody. And I like something, I believe it was St. Thomas Aquinas said, for those who believe no proof is necessary and for right. those who do not no proof may be pom- enough
5: yep that, that's uh, something that we say in the UFO community also by the way for non-believers of UFOs uh, and, and you know it and it's how funny
2: not believe there's life on other planets I mean you know
5: let's just infinite do infinite space <laughs> infinite space not only that the Vatican has come forward saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, aliens are real. Most likely, they're out there, and it's all part of God's plan, which it would be.
2: Well, for the past better Why would part, it not be past two thousand years? The Vatican has been a repository of knowledge the world over. Yeah. I'll bet they know something um, a lot of people don't know. And um, I've talked to a number of people who have seen UFOs, including family members." And I've talked to, uh, and I'm sure you have as well, talked to people who have been abductees or claim to have been abductees.
5: Oh, I've interviewed the most famous abductee, Travis Walton. Oh, really? Yeah, he's become a friend over the years. Uh, Very, very, very nice man. I'm talking about uh, just a genuinely nice, humble person. Uh, I cannot say a bad word about the man. I really couldn't. Yeah, and,
2: and unless you're a complete nut, why would you make something like that up?
5: Oh, let me tell you, that story has not only turned his life upside down from the very beginning. Uh, we're talking about a guy who did not profit from it, like some people will go on lecture tours and, you know, write books and make movies. He wrote a book, didn't make a whole lot of money. He worked in the same place from the moment the abduction happened till recently, a couple years ago, where he retired after almost 30 years of working there. So, you're talking about a guy who worked in the same plant, uh, you know, did the same routine every day, even after this thing happened to him, passed lie detector tests. He does not want to be bothered with this kind of thing. He does what he does now because he has no choice. It's either he tells a story or somebody's going to butcher, like they did the movie they made about him. Uh, By the way, that was a complete butcher job, that movie. Uh, None of the stuff you see in there, especially the alien abduction part, is all fake. All Hollywood. And he'll be the first one to tell you. Uh, it, it, it's amazing, though, one thing that, um, that gets to me, though, Mark, uh, dealing with the alien phenomenon and dealing with abductees, uh, how many of them come back saying that there's a spiritual link to the aliens, that there's a spiritual message from the aliens, that they... They're uh, spiritual beings It always goes back almost to that With a lot of the abductees that I've interviewed uh, Where it, it almost seems like it all is interconnected somehow And it goes back to me talking about uh, Even on this show months ago Where I talked about how my theory has always been That yeah, aliens are the same thing as ghosts, demons uh, Leprechauns, all kind of things That we've misidentified over the past uh, Thousands of years Because a couple thousand years ago If an alien ship lands on whatever piece of land there is And some, uh, some locals see the alien they 're going to think of them as gods they 're not going to know any better they don 't know what aliens are they, you know they see a being coming in that looks like a praying mantis they 're going to look at it as a demon you know and now we know them as grays you know what i mean so right. it's it, it's the perspective of the population that are having the encounters or the abductions that changes and that's why the definition of these things change over the years but I think it's all interconnected I even Travis said that there was a, almost a, a psychic link between him and the uh, the human looking aliens. Uh, which were on the ship as well, which the movie didn't cover that either, by the way. Uh, but you know, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think there is uh, a, a connection? Uh, because of course, the Bible talks about the Nephilim, the giants that came from space. Uh, all that stuff is kind of covered in the Bible, so it, I do believe that all of it is interconnected. And it, it is a lot of it comes from space. A lot of it, uh, religious-wise, a lot of uh, the teachings, a lot of the stories uh, might have an outer, an outworldly, uh, out-of-earth, you know. Um, uh, origin to them
2: it's it's entirely possible i mean i keep an open mind on on uh that that particular subject matter because well you know where i live in central florida is near the space center right and my dad who was one of the guys he was in the room back in oh gosh it had to have been late 1950 i know i would guess it would be in 1960 61 Um, And he was working for a defense contractor, Aerospace, and the the program manager walked in and said, look, the president's going to be making a speech uh, later in the week that we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade, and you guys are part of the guys who are going to figure out how to do it. He's talking about you know JFK <laughs> making the right. speech that we're going to go to the moon, and my dad was involved in the space program. Um, he was also on the team of guys that helped figure out how to bring Apollo thirteen back. And, and you know just listening to his stories when I can get him talking about them is really great. But he's he's adamant about one thing. He said, you know, Mark, the greatest leap in electronics in the in, in the twentieth century, uh, he said, was the transistor. I go really. He goes yeah, and he said something happened in New Mexico in the late nineteen forties. I go okay, <laughs> yeah. and he said the rumors in the industry is something crashed, and he said that um, up John. And um, Lockheed, uh, Lockheed Boeing, yeah, now it's Lockheed Martin. Back then it was Lockheed and it was Martin Marietta at the time and Morton Thiokol, they were all called in. And and he said they got ideas from whatever it was. And he Mm -hmm. said, I remember being a young guy and they took me to this lab and they were growing silicon chips. And he said, how is it that we're growing... Silicon chips. And he said they looked at him and said, well, that's classified. And he goes, something happened out there. He goes, growing silicon chips? He goes, we went from using um, tubes to silicon chips within a couple years? He goes, where did that leap in technology come from? And it is so cool to listen to him talk about that. And he's a firm believer in life on other planets. But my dad said, he, and I don't know if he's joking, he, his theory is that all these other races dumped all their criminals and mentally insane on Earth. And that would certainly explain why we <laughs> Actually, behave the way we
5: do. You know, it's funny. That's the, uh, that's the ideology of Scientology. That's what they believe. They believe that there was an alien named Xenu who came to Earth thousands of years ago when uh, man was still kind of Neanderthal man, monkey man, and uh, he brought with him thousands and thousands of criminals from all over the galaxy, these different-looking different, uh, different looking alien beings, and they were all frozen in carbonite, like Count Solo, kind of. And uh, he came to Earth, dropped all these bodies in a volcano, because that's what you do to defreeze them, right? Drop them on a volcano, and then his ship just out of coincidence, was uh, was equipped with a soul-catching device. So when the bodies melted and their souls left the bodies, the soul-catching device grabbed all these souls, collected them, and then put them through brainwashing techniques, which showed them uh, religious stuff like Jesus, the Bible, Seinfeld. I don't know what kind of stuff they were teaching them. Uh, but it put them through all the rigors that they needed to be put through, and then they released the souls to inhabit man, and that's where we are now. We're the, the, you know, the descendants of aliens or criminals. Kind of like Australia but on a bigger scale in a sense. You That's know, Scientology for you. Uh,
2: interesting. You know, but on the <laughs> other hand, the founder of Scientology was a science fiction Sci-fi writer. writer. Yeah. So, and a child you know.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Then there's uh, that.
2: But it's a good story, you know, nonetheless. It and, and a lot It made, of for, very a, it made intelligent- it for a great... Well, a lot of very intelligent, influential people are Scientologists, so, you know, yeah. I, I, try to, I, I try to keep an open mind and not dismiss anyone's belief, because, you know, we, we have to respect, we have to respect other people's beliefs.
5: And it also made for a great episode of South Park, by the way. You should watch that episode. Yeah, (laughs) incredible stuff, incredible stuff. By the way, guys, we're live with Mark Anthony, the Psychic Lawyer. We're going to open lines uh, within the next uh, couple minutes. If anybody wants to call in and get a reading or ask him any questions about what we've been talking about tonight, please do so. The number is 786-245-8127. And if you could look us up on Skype, please do so. It's PSN Radio right on Skype. So if anybody has any questions whatsoever or if you want to get a reading by Mark, Feel free to call in, and uh, we'll take your call. Uh, Until then, though, uh, jumping back into what we've been discussing here, um, you know, the whole psychic uh, phenomenon, like I said, intrigues me uh, immensely. It really does. In my own family, Mark, uh, and I've never discussed this with you, and I haven't discussed this much on the show either, um, I do have a stepmother who is psychic, and uh, she does tarot card readings, and I've had readings by her. And it's it's always been very um, bizarre, to say the least, to sit there and have your stepmother do a psychic reading for you. Uh, Very strange. But she's nailed so many different things uh, when doing readings, uh, which make it even stranger for me. Because now I'm looking at a person who's like, Jesus, you know, she's... Hitting on all these points, uh, and and I've had people who who have told me in the past also, well, you know, there's a strategy behind it. Uh, it's a certain way the psychics do it. It's all fake. It's all hokey. And there's a there's a whole strategy behind it. And they do this and that. They kind of explain what the strategy is, what psychics do. Uh, how much of that do you buy? Do you think there's a lot of fakers out there in the psychic community who use a certain strategy uh, yes, to they give do. readings?
2: Yes, I do. In fact, um, I was interviewed by NBC in Miami. Um, there was the, uh, the Marx family trial, and they were um, members of the Roma culture, uh, which are um, more commonly known as gypsies. Now, let me say that I do not believe that um, all the people of the gypsy culture are, are part of this, but there's a sector that preys upon people. And, in fact, I was doing a reading for a woman recently, and she said, is there an evil spirit attached to my aura? Because this this woman, Madam So-and-So, said there was. And, I'm, and I said, uh, no. And I go, let me guess. She told you that there's a curse upon you and your family and that you need to come – three to four times a week uh, so that she can help separate this negative energy from your aura. She goes, oh my god, how do you know that? I go, because that's a scam. Okay, yeah. A legitimate psychic does not tell you that you need to come back next week and the week after. In fact, three times a week and it's only $500 per session. Oh, that's and, nothing. And, well, the thing is, though, with the Marx trial, the Marx family built about 30 different people out of almost $30 million, including... Wow. A famous author, um, Jude Devereaux, um, who, whose son um, had her little boy had, had been killed, I believe, in a car accident, and they had him/her convinced that his soul was somehow in peril from demons or whatever mythological nonsense they were cobbling up, and they built her out of like three or four million dollars. Because they, they do prey upon people. So for, for the listeners who are in need of uh, or, or seeking advice from a psychic or a medium, if they psychic or the medium talks about curses and tries to get you to, to come multiple times within a week, you really need to turn and run okay? Um, because that is a scam. And they they will prey upon your fears and things like that. Now, a legitimate psychic or medium, you'll do a session. Um, I've got this one client that keeps asking for another reading, another reading, and I keep refusing because she doesn't want to make up her own mind. And part of our life lessons, we have free will, and we have to learn how to make up our own mind. And you can't pass off your decision, decision-making decision Uh, authority and ability onto spirits you need to make up your mind now spirit communication is in in my my um perspective used for healing and resolution it can be used as guidance but it is not a substitute for you determining the course and direction of your own actions being responsible for your own actions, and you being in charge of the direction of your own life. Because spirits are not here to do that for you. You are here to do that for you.
5: Now, when we talk about spirits, uh, when you have a client in front of you, do you literally have like the spirit appear next to the person? Do you hear the voice? Do you visually see them? I mean, how does that part of it work?
2: Good question. All the above. Um, everything I do okay. as a medium involves frequency. And so when I open up to frequency... It's like I'm a radio and all of a sudden I turn on and I tell the, the other side, the spirit realm, okay, I'm doing this now. And spirits will come forth. Uh, first, I'll get a gender. Then I may get an idea of the connection to the person if they're on your level. It's like a brother, sister, cousin, spouse, friend above your level, parent, aunt, uncle, below that, child, niece, nephew. They don't have to be related to you to communicate. In other words, a person on the mother level could be a mother-in-law, stepmother, or even a teacher from school, that sort of thing. Um, the way I see them is in my mind's eye. Like right now, um, um, if you th- think of a lion, do you see a lion because today's National Lion Day. <laughs> okay, if you see a lion in your in your, your mind's eye, do you see
5: that? I see that yeah
2: that's how I see them, so it 's like a vivid memory. Now, I can see them like standing in the room. Um, that's what 's known as objective clairvoyance because that means that i 'm visualizing it. Uh, The image, the vision uh, External to my body And that other people can see it Generally I receive things through subjective clairvoyance Which is in the mind's eye Then I will hear things Uh, Like thoughts in my head, I might hear music or various sounds. I will feel sensations flowing throughout my body. I can generally feel how the person died. So it Mm -hmm. comes to me in several different ways. It's a fascinating experience, although it's it's very draining
5: at the same time. But I can imagine. Have you ever had an entity that is so attached to the person who is just trying to get? you know, their questions out or their, their whatever the, the message is to that person so badly that they're almost like yelling at you for, for you to, to to hear them. Or they're uh, aggressive.
2: Uh, spirits communicate from the other side like they did when they were here. And, okay. and a funny funny story, I was doing a reading for these folks and their their son came through. And I kept hearing the F word a lot, you know. And, and they said, what are you holding back, Mark? And I said, well, this is what he said. And they started laughing. I go, (laughs) why is it so funny? And the mother rolled her eyes and she goes, our son was in the Marine Corps. And every noun seemed to have that adjective in front of it. And the father goes, Well now we know it's him <laughs> You know, and, and the thing is if he just come through like, I'm in heaven, ha 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 ho, and strumming a harp or whatever, and they don't strum harps, that's all, you know, medieval nonsense. Um but then that would be contrived and fake. Spirits right. bring elements of their personality with them. Now if they were um, mentally ill or physically ill they will reference those things and project images of that and sensations of that to me but they are no longer suffering from those and and many times that's why I'll get like the cause of death and then they'll show me um, or, or give me this beautiful sensation feeling about what's going on with them now
5: Now that's interesting, have you ever had a spirit... Um... Who has had like a really I don't know like a, I would say a horrible death, uh, and they came back just uh, trying to explain what happened and trying to find out what happened to them, and maybe they're confused and they still don't even know they're dead. Has that happened before?
2: Well, they know they're dead. Um, okay. They they know they know what happened to them. I mean, in my book, Never Letting Go, um, I talk about uh, I, there's a chapter I say sometimes they need our help. Um, I was called to a department store. One time by the manager And he said look um, It was an arts and crafts kind of story He goes in the woodworking section The employees are freaked out I go what do you mean He goes they see shadows And they hear things And they get cold chills And I go could you check it out and the guy was really cool, and I was, like, really surprised that he'd asked, you know. So as I'm walking around there, and all of a sudden I start getting this tingly sensation, and I got an image. And I saw this guy that looked like a construction worker wearing the hard hat and a flannel shirt. But he had, like, these lamb chop sideburns. Like, he'd stepped right out of, you know, the age of Elvis, you know, in the 70s. And he, he zoomed right up to me, and I said, you know, you're dead. And he kind of nodded, and I said, you know you need to leave, and he kind of nodded, and he pixelated, and then, then that was it. And I go, I think everything's fine. And the manager's like, well, that's it? Like, you don't have to, like, <laughs> jingle bells or burn incense or chant or something? <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, no, I don't. And, and uh, I got a call from him about a month later, and he says, I don't know what you did. He said, but uh, the employees are no longer afraid of that, that area. And I said, just out of curiosity, when was that building constructed? And he said, "I'm not exactly sure, but I'm—I—I I think it was sometime in the '70s." Hmm. And so I believe that this may have been a construction worker who had been killed there. Now the ghost people are like he was trapped in between wood, uh, and all—it's like, well, I don't believe that. Uh, they know when they're dead. Sometimes it needs to be brought to their attention, possibly, or you have to realize that the other side. Has no time in the way that we can even begin to understand it. Right, and, and so thirty, forty, fifty years to us for a spirit may be just moments. Right, and um, that's that's an ongoing uh, discovery. In fact, in my my new book, which is coming out early next year, uh, Evidence of Eternity, I discuss the timelessness of time. And the levels of the other side and the scientific and physiological basis that enables us to communicate with with spiritual entities. You know, I don't look at uh, this as hocus pocus or magic or anything negative. I look at this as as frequency transfer, and it's based on our physiology and on sound scientific principles. Now, the fact that it has not been reproduced in a laboratory or a device like Thomas Edison wanted to create uh, means very little, because at one time radio waves were merely a theory, you know, 150 years ago, and now, you know, everywhere you go, there's there's radio. Radio waves
5: everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Mark, uh we have a caller on the line. Alex has joined the call. He I, I believe he has a question. Maybe he has a reading. Alex, uh, you're on the air with Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Welcome to the show, man.
3: Yeah. Uh hi Jackal. Uh how you guys doing? Good. I'm how good. you doing, Alex? I'm doing good. Uh Mr. Anthony, uh is it true that you're you are in fact a psychic? That he is. That okay. I am. Interesting, interesting. Uh I was wondering uh if you can answer, if you don't mind, uh if you can answer a few questions, just kind of see if you can kind of uh,
2: Is this convince me. Convince me, yeah, yeah, convince me. Yeah, I don't really do that. Can we go to another caller? <laughs> <laughs> You're. Over this? Oh, that's a really
6: disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: no, no, I, I don't. You know, it's like here, here, jump through this hoop of fire. It's like, you know, um, uh, no, I, I, I don't. I'm sorry, with all due respect, Alex, um, I don't play test the psychic, and also. Um, with all due respect, when you come on with an attitude like that, even if I was trying to connect with a spiritual entity, you're going to be emanating so much negativity. Not necessarily that you're intending to do it. I mean, you could blow me that, away. That 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 sets up a yeah. negative energy barrier. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm respectfully, I'm gonna pass.
3: All right, it's disappointing to hear, but I respect your opinion. And you guys have a good night. And uh, it's a good show. I've been listening to most of it. It's a really interesting show. So.
5: Thank you, Alex. Yeah,
3: great show. Uh, but uh, you guys take care, and keep rocking on.
5: Thank you, bro. Well, there you go. Um, that's the first caller. Great caller, sure, for huh? Not too Start.
2: bad. Well, you know, what it is, people do that. It's like, well, I'm going to play test, suck, so like, you got to ask a couple questions, you got to do that. And what it is... Um,
5: uh, it, I, you, you must get that like all the time, that. though. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, pretty and, and, sure you do.
2: And he sounds like a nice, nice guy and all that, but... Um, there are people that, no matter what you say it's it's they're going to take issue and pick it apart and, and do this and and quite frankly um I have better uses of my time. I want to help people that, that want a genuine connection with the other side as opposed to, all right, I'm thinking of a number. Tell me what it is. Right.
5: Winning lottery numbers. Give me the lotto numbers right be, now, Mark. Come on, I just spit it out to me.
2: It's not to be used <laughs> like that. It's not that I haven't asked. <laughs> you know, if you want to give me winning lottery numbers, then, then I certainly will, will take them, but, but that's not what it's for. Okay no, I hear you, and then no. there's a lot of people that have a fundamental misunderstanding about what it is that I do a psychic i right all mediums are psychics, not all psychics are mediums, and a lot of people want me to be a fortune teller to forecast their future and their love life and their career and answer questions about you know, what's going on in their home life and so on and so forth. Now, I can do that to an extent, but my specialization is communication with spiritual entities, which has to be approached with reverence um, and respect. And if it's not done that way, if you have someone coming and come on, read me, read me, read me, immediately there's a negative energy barrier. Okay, so once you have a deflector shield up, then it's like I got to spend time figuring out how to get the shields down, and that's essentially just a waste of energy.
5: You know, you could take a ship and there's a little corridor. It's a little. Tiny quarter. You can fly right into. You. you shoot one little laser. It goes right into this little area and blows the whole thing up. And blows just up just like the Death, Death Star. Star. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Alex just hit that button and just uh, made you blow up. He blew up the Death yeah, Star.
6: Well,
2: you know, it's it's you know, on a on a one on one, I'd be happy to work with him, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play games.
5: No, I hear you. No, but let me ask you though, um have you gotten any uh, psychic impressions on all of me by talking tonight to me?
2: not really because I'm focused on what we're doing as opposed to um, trying to read you
5: gotcha, so no, no spiritual last entities when you're you.
2: in court, you know, or so you bombarded by spirits let me tell you something being in court is <laughs> successful and I'm really focusing on what I'm doing and what I've got to say and I've got a client that's like flipping out because nobody's ever happy going to court and right. what it is, when I go into when I do a reading I go into the alpha state Okay, and when you go into the alpha state, I gotta open up and I gotta make a connection. Okay, uh, so there you have it.
5: Is it well, explain to me the alpha state, because uh, that's oh, above sorry, my I'm knowledge barrier. Yeah, yeah. Sp- explain to us what that means.
2: brainwave frequencies, the beta state, it's what we're in, okay. now. it's the conscious aware state. Then as you drift off into sleep, you go from beta into alpha. And then when you go into deep sleep, you go from uh, alpha to theta and then um, it is believed that on the alpha-theta border is where psychic activity occurs. That's why so many people have dreams where loved ones come and speak to them, and it's a very clear and coherent uh, discussion. That's because it's not a dream. It's actually a visitation and a direct connect to the other side. Hmm. Now, for some reason, people like me can go into that state voluntarily and while conscious, okay?, And that's what we don't understand, because everyone's capable of a mediumistic experience, but not everyone is a medium. It's like everybody can hit a golf ball, but not everybody's going to be Tiger Woods.
5: Right. And well, you know, I wish I was like Tiger. I mean, all those beautiful women, all the money, fame, glory. But nobody's like Tiger. I'd even even
2: put up with the (laughs) meltdown for the money. I'm
5: saying. (laughs) so good, that life he he lives. And it's funny because people are on the radio, especially I listen to a lot of sports radio and uh, when he was going through all the troubles and, and all the stuff with the women and everything was coming forward, you hear the sports guys are saying, poor Tiger, look at the stuff he's going through. I'm like, poor Tiger, look at the stuff he went through. Those are all gorgeous women. Are you kidding me? Well, poor Tiger, poor me. That's not me. I want that life.
2: Look at poor people, <laughs> what they go through. Yeah. Know? And, and, you know, you don't need a couple million bucks in CNN recording it. You know, no. you can have cancer, and nobody could care less, mm. okay? And that's by far worse than, you know, his, his things. And granted, you know, it was embarrassing and, and all that, but he, that was a voluntary decision that he made. People who get cancer, they didn't decide to have that or people that that lose a loved one and that's what my work you know my book never letting go is about is helping people cope with the loss of a loved one and spirit communication is an important therapeutic step in the journey through grief that's what never letting go also helps you to recognize the contact with spirits very subtly and you know with respect to to the the caller alex Um, spirit communication and this is for his edification spirit communication is very subtle and it may take a little bit of time to figure it out it's not texting or instant messaging where right. somebody rapid fires, a bunch of questions. And it's like, it's not no,
5: Instagram. No, it's,
2: it's not Instagram. It's not the train <laughs> seal, the circus. Arr, 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 arr. Here, jump through fire. Arr, arr, arr. You know, that's not, I think,
5: I think yeah. Alex yeah. Manuel, well, but Alex, yeah, I, he just came you know, forward. I, a little I, I, too, I uh, understand, uh, aggressive. but
2: I've had people, well, okay, yeah. prove it. It's like, you know, um, <laughs> Jesus being brought before Herod Antipas, who said, perform a miracle that I will believe you are the son of God. Look, Jesus could have turned water into wine right in front of Herod Antipas. He was going to have him crucified one way or the other, Okay, according to that story. And the fact of the matter is there are some people that you're not going to persuade because they want their immediate gratification. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell an interesting story. This happened to me about two weeks ago. I was doing a reading for a woman, and her mother's spirit came through, and I kept hearing the name Janet, Janet, Janet. And the client said, wow, my mother's best friend is Janet, and she's still alive. And I haven't talked to her for about a year. I said, I'm feeling pain and pressure in my eyes. There's something about Janet's eyes that your mother wants to call to her attention. Now, I could have given a message like that to Alex. Oh, that no, makes no sense. That, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, a week later, I get an email from the client, who, by the way, I found out after the reading, it was a Ph.D., and involved in near-death experience research, but she didn't tell me any of this, okay? So she called Janet, and she goes, Janet, this is going to sound really nutty, but I talked to this medium, and he said, my mom came through, and said there's something going on with your eyes. And Janet said, that's interesting, because my eyes have been feeling very strange and, and a little bit painful recently, or just not right. So she goes to the eye doctor, and the doctor said, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. She goes, why? He goes, you're in the early stages of macular degeneration, and if oh we my. did not catch this right now, and, and you you waited another six months for your, your yearly eye exam, he goes, chances are it would have been irreversible, and you would go blind. Now, oh I had no idea of the enormity of the message because i'm just a conduit that information comes through i convey information to people and what they do with it is up to them and thank god that this client figured she should call janet and that janet in turn went to the eye doctor
5: A great story Uh, Folks we're almost out of time Uh, Mark it's been just a pleasure having you on the book again It's called Never Letting Go uh, it's on Amazon. You can find it everywhere, right? Anybody it's wants to, uh, Amazon,
2: Barnes & Noble. It's on Walmart.com. It's at all fine bookstores. It's on sale in every country where English is spoken. And if you go to my website, neverlettinggo.com, it'll take you to the page where you can read about it. You can watch the video about the book, and you can order the book. And um, it's, it's been a very humbling experience. I've received to date um, probably about a 100... and. 20 letters and emails from people who said they were going to commit suicide Wow! until they read Never Letting Go because their grief was so overwhelming and this really helped them. And it's being recommended by hospices and, and grief counselors all over the world.
5: Well, I'm going to actually uh, order a copy this week. I haven't read the the book yet, I, I will admit, but I am ordering a copy. I'm personally, I don't know if you've picked up on this at all, but I'm actually going through something very similar and I think this book could help. Uh, my mother's ill. She's uh, got terminal cancer, and we're going through the process of what she's dealing with. Um, this is actually going to be something I'm going to uh, invest in because I think it might help in my own personal grieving uh, with you know what's inevitable uh, with her condition. Um, but uh, it, it looks—it sounds like a great book. You've been a, a fantastic guest. Uh, sorry about uh, the whole thing with Alex. Right? I don't think he meant bad, but I think he uh, no, doesn't no understand worries. how no to worries. properly approach you. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we can have you back <laughs> on in the future, and uh, we could have uh, more callers with. And next time you come on, it'll be open lines from the very beginning. I, I do this all the time when I have a guest on for the first time. I like to hog the first hour and just uh, you know get the interview out of the way. So next time you will have open lines uh, during the entire show, and hopefully we'll get a, uh, flooded with good calls, uh, Marcus. It's been just a pleasure having you on, and we definitely have to back, have you back on as soon as possible.
2: Super. Su- super. Thank you so um, much. Uh, all right, and uh,
5: Also, real quick, uh, we have here uh, the website HealGriefWithBelief.com. That's also one of your websites, right? I wanted to give that out as well.
2: Um, yes, HealGriefWithBelief and com all point to the same page.
5: Awesome. Yeah, I had that uh, URL, so I wasn't sure. Uh, perfect, guys. Check those uh, websites out. Check the website out. Buy the book. Uh, we're going to have Mark on again in the near future, and we'll talk some more with uh, with Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on tonight.
2: Thank you. God bless. God bless. Have a good night.
5: Good night. All right, everybody. That was Mark Anthony again. Look, whether you believe him, you don't believe him. Whether you're uh, you know on board with what he was what he was saying or not, uh, you know you make up your own mind. That's what we do here. We we present information. We interview the guests, and then you decide if you want to believe uh, their story, their claims. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Alex is going to be a believer of Mike Anthony anytime soon. Uh, but Alex, you know, you did come in a little aggressive on that question, my friend. Uh, and I'll talk to you in private about how psychics don't work like the way you thought they did. Anyway, guys, uh, we're all out of time. Uh, we got to rush off of here. Uh, up next, The Outer Edge is going to be live right here on PSN Radio with your host, Mike Mott, and Tim Schwartz, the Schwarzenegger. They're going to be on live, so stick around for some of that. Now, in leaving, I'm going to leave tonight with a very, very awesome song. I don't care what anybody says. This is from the soundtrack of Guardians of the Galaxy, Hooked on a Feeling. Love this song. Great movie. Go check it out, everybody. Till next week. Peace. This is Inside the Jackal's Head.